0: Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, Paul, how are you? I'm in a battle to the death with Mother Nature. Really? What's happening (laughs) your end? So we had snow, and I was clearing it. Well, long story short, I finished the the machine ran out of gas right as I finished the end. You know where the snow snowplow puts all the crap, so I just threw the snow thrower into the garage, and I looked at it this morning and I was coated with rock-solid snow that didn't clear out. So I got a little heater in there going, please please melt before the next six inches comes tomorrow so that I can clear oh, it
1: with the machine. That is awesome. I mean, you're a league ahead of me. I think we talked about this last year where I just had my shovel and I waited three days before I started shoveling, which broke my shovel. One of my neighbors has one of those machines, but we just don't get that level of snow here. They were threatening it last week and it never happened, but... Yeah, that is pretty funny that the snow got revenge on you by freezing your machine.
0: Yeah, I mean normally I do mine, and then I do the neighbor. And I, you know, you're out, you're visiting, and you're socializing, and you know, and to take care of it. But with COVID, and then ugh, just just a mess. So,
1: no, <laughs> oh, that's that's classic. Um, and how's things been? What are you working on these days? I
0: am in another struggle with the uh, bot framework. So uh, picking up some oh. new tricks, you know, old dog, new tricks things. So, uh, but yeah, the, uh, a whole round of improvements that the boss has come up with that will be rolling out in the next uh, week, or, uh, next month or so. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff. That's cool. How's your empire? Have you got 8,000 people working for you now. <laughs> <laughs> I got three. All right. Uh, I got another one starting
1: in April and there'll be hopefully someone else, accepting on Monday. So I'm going to have a full, yeah, I guess team of five is a good size to go talk to partners. It's really exciting with the scale of the people we're talking to. So um, we've had some great conversations this week. So I'm, I'm really happy with how things are going. And,
0: and one thing I've noticed on a bunch of the Microsoft Teams channels where there had always been questions and occasionally the response, the, the these guys, the, your gang is on it right away. There's been a lot of yeah. tick in the responses. So it's great to see.
1: Yeah, they've been really good. And we're getting Building more trust with the engineering groups behind the scenes so that we have more like, I call them coins, coins to go ask them if we don't know the answers and they tend to respond straight away, which is great. So it's, it, it's working, as the uh, <laughs> little Anakin Skywalker would say in his little, little car. And then another win was the, um, I kind of got some more time on the postman stuff and put together some step-by-step instructions on our Microsoft Graph Docs to replace the existing ones to show you how to fork the collection now, which is obviously the same concept of GitHub, but like you fork directly in the Postman client and the auth setup is a lot easier. You just set up three config environment values and you're a way to go testing both delegated and more importantly, application um, context flows. And so, um, yeah, it's been great to get that out there we I think we have 5000 people use it last month which was great on the existing way method so I need to move everyone over to the forked one so that as we make changes they just can do a, a pull and get the latest changes whereas before you kind of had to delete the collection and re-import it from the XML so the Postman team have done a great job of improving that for us, which is, well, not just for us, for everyone that uses Postman, but the features have made it easier for us to share things like that now.
0: Well, I'll have to check that. It's been a long time since I've opened Postman, so it'd be uh, I should check it out.
1: Yeah, I find it is so easy for me. Like anytime someone asks me a question, like I have it on my machine and, you know, I have a bunch of save requests that I can just you know reuse and so I'm like oh yeah you're right that doesn't work how I expected it to work and things like that so I, I do prefer it I know everyone's different like I saw our Victor Willen that's been on the show a bunch of times being like no one uses Postman and I'm like actually yeah there's quite a lot of people that use Postman <laughs> and then he wants to use Visual Studio Code with the HTTP
0: no it's REST plugin. Client it's called that's yeah. what I use REST Client yeah that's what so I like
1: of course Daryl was smiling in the background because that's his favorite thing too and so you know you can't keep everyone happy, but I can keep at least 5,000 people happy with my there little you project.
0: <laughs> so Daryl did a PR of that uh, extension to do uh, the token acquisition, if you put the magic code thing in the uh, in the request i get i know how to get a token so i get it myself but <laughs> that's why daryl was smiling because he he yeah, posted the extension to make it yeah
1: and then another um, thing uh, betty rose who we haven't had on the show we should really get her on because she is awesome um, she's in our team in nairobi in kenya she put together some docs for graph explorer um, it seems kind of and when someone suggested it, I was like, but it's so easy to use. But the thing is, there are so many features in Graph Explorer now, like the fact that if you put a request in, we have like a, a permissions tab, which will show you, like here are all the permissions that you could consent to have this thing work and not give you a permission deny error. Um, there's like lots of hidden secrets there that, you know, she put together a little manual. So that's, that's in our graph docs next to the use postman guide. So hopefully I'm going to sneak some audience from people going to the graph manual, the graphics Explorer manual and saying, wow, there's postman too.
0: Well, you know, I I've sent many people to the graph Explorer and, and sometimes there is a sub, a subset of people who want to read about something before they kick the tires. So just sending them to the, you know, the screen yeah. that has input boxes, you know, it can be overwhelming. So, yeah, I'm glad to see that that's yeah. out there. We've talked about thirst run experiences
1: where, like, you get like a little wizard that kind of talked you through, like, click here for some samples, and then, okay, you've done that. Now you could go on to doing these things too, but we just haven't got there with it yet. So, um, what did you find out there in the wonderful world of the web?
0: So, so uh, the first one that I found is a post from a, a, a repeat offender, so to speak, a Sir, Sergei Sergei, who is at um, spblog.net, and he posted this week an example of how to use or different ways of consuming organizational data from SPFx and so um, most people probably are aware that SPFx comes with a, a SP HTTP client and an AD HTTP client and a a Graph cloud there's like seven of them I can never remember, but he has a good walkthrough, kind of like, you know, if this in 2021, this is what you could use. You can do it this way, you can do it that way. And he includes an option which calls an Azure function, which can then proxy calls to the graph, which makes a lot of, that, that's my approach all the time usually is to to handle a lot of stuff server-side, uh, token acquisition and storage is much easier in my in my brain, in .NET than it is in, in JavaScript. So um, great blog post by Sergey to come through and give you these things that you can Consider and get the right approach for your project.
1: Yeah, it's it's really good when you get to see people kind of explain things like that. Like, I, I mean, that's how I started off when I was blogging way back when. And a lot of the time, it's like just cementing your own knowledge, right? Um, but that was just useful to kind of see the different ways. And obviously, we you know we're on a journey there. There's a lot of internal discussion around like what SharePoint REST APIs should be on the graph so that we can just use the graph and not have two and kind of reduce that confusion. But in the current state there is that thing where there's different options and so sometimes it's good just to see someone else explain it and see kind of the structure of how they explain these things too.
0: You know, you know. I would argue that you don't need to use the SharePoint API and and don't use it until you absolutely positively have to. It'll you'll just be better served moving to the new stuff. And there's the only there's only two scenarios that I need the the old stuff for. So uh, the, they're close to solving all my needs. So it's it's certainly worth going the going the right way or the the graph way, I should say.
1: And then another one like that uh, where Alex is um, documenting very very detailed process um, of Using Azure Runbooks to call PowerShell, to call Power Automate, to call an Azure function that calls the graph, I think I got it in the right order, and all those calls to get the call records for a particular meeting ID. And the idea being is that he can go into Azure Runbooks and just putting like a meeting ID and click run and it kind of, that stack calls it and returns all the debugging information about that particular meeting. And there's a lot of information you get out of the cloud communication APIs, the call records API and graph. It's the first in a series of posts he's doing. I think now he's got it in the Azure Runbook outputting in the, the console in Azure Runbooks. He now has the ability like to, persist that off using like straightforward things in Azure Runbook features to like save that into an Azure SQL log for instance. And so that would allow him to then historically over time store all the call records for every meeting um, and then maybe do some reporting over the top of the Azure SQL database. It's really great to see people kind of using all our tech in a stacked way. I have kind of reached out to him to understand the the, you know why the Azure Functions architecture is in there, and and the Power Automate when he could just kind of use PowerShell directly in Azure Runbooks, I think. Um, and so we should probably add him to talk to him on the show because there must be a reason he's done it that way and not just called PowerShell directly. I, I'm not that familiar with Azure Runbooks though, so that's definitely not my expertise.
0: So I'm just curious as to what call records are because there's a lot of there's a lot of gibberish in there. It looks like network addresses and stuff. So <laughs> Certain,
2: <laughs> certainly outside Paul's I, expertise, I <laughs> this is like
0: <laughs> I think. It, It
1: goes back to the days of um, like PSTN logs and, um, you know, voice over IP type log data, um, you know, call quality and things like that. There's a lot of that information that gets pertained in there that these um, customers need to know for a variety of different reasons. That's my very bad explanation of it. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that. We call it IC3 internally, but the cloud communications team stuff where people get super deep on this stuff.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, if it's your job to provide phone service to thousands of employees, and you got to know how it works, right? So I totally, totally get that. And it's just uh, uh, how much stuff is on Microsoft Graph. Uh, you know, we, we're focused on a couple of workloads that, you know, our history, you know, our history has been SharePoint and stuff like that. But there's so much more out there. It's great to see other areas of it getting flexed out and documented. I like that. Cool. Well, um, that's all we managed to find this
1: week. So shame on you if you haven't got eyeballs of mine and Paul's to find your blog articles if you're writing them if you feel like we're not calling you out we're all about inclusion here so just be really blutely honest and at mention us on tweets and we'll find them we're always
0: on the twitters well not always but every once in a while <laughs> 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 but i do get right the notifications right when i say something stupid i uh, i get lots of notifications so uh
1: Cool. Well, look, um, have a good weekend, mate, and we'll see you next week. All right. Hopefully, the snow
0: doesn't bury me, and I am here to talk to you. <laughs> and you're not frozen outside. Yeah, ain't that the truth? This week on the podcast, we have the host of our favorite game show Where in the world is Branson, Missouri? Mr. Mark Rackley. Hey Mark, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So first of all, let's for folks who aren't aware of who you are, those two or three people left. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Mark Rackley, and uh, I've been in the, the SharePoint world since, what, since Since about 2007 or so. And um, currently, I am the chief strategy officer for a Microsoft 365 consulting company called Bate Group, along with a few other MVPs. I am a Microsoft MVP, and my background is development. Uh, people may know me best for my work on my old blog, SharePointHillbilly.com. Uh, and as you said, I, Branson, Missouri, I do organize and North American Collaboration Summit, which is a three-day conference in Branson, Missouri, which is the best place in the world for a conference and the butt of many a joke. So, <laughs>
0: so what is the latest on the North American Collaboration Summit in these COVID times?
2: So, we actually did the uh, the first Microsoft hybrid community event last year, and it went over really, really well. We did all of our content online and in person so no matter where you were you got the same content and experience and actually i'm hoping to finalize dates for this year this week so keep an eye out for those new dates and hopefully you'll be able to make it down this time
0: well, you know, there's a month that's bad for me, right? So you're avoiding that month, or no?
2: <laughs> I'm avoiding that month at all costs. Yes. So I'm looking at August dates right now.
0: There you go. Excellent. So uh, knock on wood, will be in a good, uh, good state for folks to drop down. So I've been to the conference once. I know you've had it many times in that. And he's joking around that you know I could never make it because I always had a conflict and and but it was it's a great event. So I'm glad to see that it's still alive and kicking, and uh, we'll try to get uh, get things going this year. But this week we want to talk not about just the conference, but about Power Virtual Agents. And uh, I, I grabbed Mark for the podcast because I saw him tweet about it, and figure, well, that's that's what I do. I lurk on the Twitters, and I, when someone says something interesting, I loop them in to get more details. So, uh, if most of our audience is like me, doesn't pay attention to something that's not in Visual Studio, what in the <laughs> world are Power Virtual Agents?
2: <laughs> power Virtual Agents are these these bots right they're part of the power platform and to be clear i've been talking about power virtual agents for microsoft teams and that is separate from the normal power virtual agents because you need an additional subscription to use Power Virtual Agents, but you don't need a subscription to use Power Virtual Agents for Microsoft Teams as long as you're not government or education. So it kind of comes baked in, in most Microsoft 365 licensing. And with Power Virtual Agents, you can create really powerful no-code bots and publish those bots without having to traditionally to create a bot. You have to use the Azure use the bot framework. You have to create a bot in Azure. You have to deploy it to Azure. You have to jump through some you know, hurdles and turn around three times and hopefully deploys properly, Uh, where with Power Virtual Agents, you can actually deploy it to teams with the push of a button, and then your team's admin says, yeah, add it, and it gets added. So it's really made the process of creating and deploying pretty exceptionally powerful bots like super, super easy.
0: So, so you mentioned it's part of the power platform. So uh, I'm guessing this is kind of a, a reach down into the uh, power user or you know market instead of hardcore devs. Is that a fair statement?
2: Yeah, and it's it's very much if you're used to working in flow, you could very much easily create a bot with power virtual agents.
0: Okay, and I, I'm what I'm hearing it sounds similar to if I'm in a SharePoint list, I can click a button and create a flow based on that SharePoint list right inside the SharePoint experience. And now what you're saying in the Teams uh, is this something I'm doing within the Teams client.
2: Yep. So. So um, since this is in Microsoft Teams, it is all done within the Teams client. You know, I don't know if they're calling it officially part of Dataverse, but it uses the environment the Dataverse environments. So whenever you go to create a new Power Virtual Agent in Teams, it asks you which team do you want to deploy it to, and it gets deployed as part of, and you get access to that. CDS that's deployed with Dataverse to that team, even though it's not officially, I don't think, part of Dataverse. I kind of say, well, they're kind of they kind of go hand in hand, uh, but th- everything is done from within the Teams client.
0: Okay, so is that a, an app that I have to install, like a Teams app that I, I install?
2: Yeah, if you go to your uh, your apps in the left rail and search for Power Virtual Agents, it should pop up, and you just install it and, and run it.
0: Okay, and then I guess I get some kind of one-on-one experience. Like, like I know you can do a, a App Studio and some other little apps that I click on. Once I install it, then I get a tab, and is that where I do my work inside that? Or do I actually have to say put this in a team and everyone in the team can mess with it or both?
2: It's not visible to anybody. It's visible to you and the site, the team owners. So when you go to deploy it and you go to create a bot, you choose which team you want to deploy it to. And that just means, though, that you and the team owners can see it before it's published. So if those people go to Power Virtual Agents, and under the chatbot tab in Power Virtual Agents, they will see that that chatbot that they can go to and edit and do things with. When you publish a Power Virtual Agent for Microsoft Teams, your only option is to publish it to the left rail. So even though you're creating it, In specifying a team, you can only deploy it to that left rail. If you want to deploy it somewhere else, you have to go for the full-blown subscription.
0: Okay, yeah, so it seems kind of odd to me that you're publishing it to a team, but yet it shows up on the left rail. Is that... You're nodding your head, which people can't hear, but is that that seems confusing, right?
2: <laughs> it, I mean, it is a tad confusing, um, but the, the thing is, this is my interpretation, my crystal ball, because I, of course, don't work for Microsoft, so my opinions are my own. But they've put limitations around this so that they give you a taste, but if you want more power, you have to buy the subscription, right? So the limitation for the free licensing is you can only deploy it as a personal app. So if you're like, well, I want to deploy it to a specific team, well, you can't do that. You need to pay for the subscription.
0: Okay, so... So, I'm, what I'm guessing is the, the app itself is a personal app, but the people who can modify it are based on a membership of a team. Because you were saying before, there's team owners, right? So, maybe the team aspect is just for the permissions,
2: right? That is correct. Well, it's also that, that, that Dataverse backend, if you access the common data service and that sort of thing, it has access to that environment that gets created Whenever you specify the team,
0: okay. So, why do I want to have a data environment in the Power Virtual Agent, which I'm saying is kind of like a bot? So, w- w- what's the use case there?
2: That's an excellent question. Um, like I said, it's 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 kind of interesting because it's not that bot is not limited to that team by being deployed into the left rail, right? So. I don't know the answer to that question. I, I just don't. I mean, that's a great question. I don't know what is being provisioned under the covers that is specific to that environment. I'm assuming something is, but I don't, I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it has to be deployed to that environment.
0: Oh, so when when I click on it on the left rail, do I get a chat window like it would be a one-on-one chat? With a bot, yep,
2: it's exactly what you so, get. So they're
0: probably using bots using the CDS to do bot state would be my hunch there, right? Okay. So now that I have the spot, what is it I can do with the bot? It, it, we mentioned before you said it's a little bit if you can do flow, you can do power virtual agents. So what's that experience like if I'm creating a bot?
2: So um, I definitely first thing to do is recommend that everybody go and actually try to create one because it's it's fairly easy to do. And if you go to my blog, I've got a link to share to do it. When you go to create a new bot. It immediately, it immediately launches you into the bot creator where you have a little test harness in your left part of your window where you can start chatting with the bot. Everything the bot does, every workflow that it does is called a topic. So, and, and topics are triggered by trigger phrases. So you say, well, I want to do a greeting topic because there's a built-in greeting topic. And that means that anytime someone says, hello, how are you doing? Any type of greeting it's like, oh, this, this is a trigger phrase for the greeting topic. And so now it goes into this little topic and processes it, which is, could be showing messages to the user. It could be asking them questions. Um, it could be doing some conditional logic on it. So the first thing you have to identify is what is your topic? What's going on? Do you want to say hello? Do you want to order a product? Do you want to ask for a vacation request? What is the user going to be doing? And when you deploy this bot, they have a set of four lesson topics that you can actually look at and dive into to see how they're built. And one of them is uh, ordering a product. So if someone says, hey, I want to order a product, it then you can see that authoring canvas for what that means and it takes them through conditions and it shows a message to the user where do you want to ship this product and they type in the name of the state and then the bot does a condition to check to see what what is the name of the state they just entered and depending on what that state was they send them through different branches of conversations so you can prompt users with questions you can conditionally branch on whatever they respond with and you can call Power Automate Flows, they're called actions in the authoring canvas to make it do other uh, workflows.
0: So is it similar to flow in that there are predefined actions and topics or could I do whatever I want?
2: Yeah, so there's predefined. You can ask a question. You can show a message. You can show a survey or, or end with a survey. Um, and then you've got conditions based upon responses. The questions you can ask are, you know, there's some built-in things you can ask, and there's also this concept of entities. And if you're familiar with Lewis at all, it's a similar process to Lewis as far as entities goes. Basically, you set up a question. So I'd set up an entity for vacation. You think about what information do you wanna ask, know from someone about a vacation? Maybe it's, where are you going? So you'd create a vacation entity it was in... For power virtual agents, where maybe you specify some default answers you could expect someone to, to say about vacation. Maybe, you know, the, the cities where they're allowed to go to vacation. They can go to Branson, they can go to Dallas, or they can go to Seattle, right? And then, so you ask a question, say, hey, where are you going on vacation? And if they type in anything that matches an entity or close, because it's kind of got some cognitive services in the back end to detect what they mean. So, if they type in something, Dallas, Branson, or Seattle, it can recognize that, and then you can do something specific. For that entity
0: okay so yeah and so you mentioned it uses Lewis so if, if you know if you've done anything with the cognitive services language understanding service where you can then define entities and responses and so it's it's built on the same technology I'm guessing right
2: I'm assuming it's using Lewis yeah
0: yeah 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 so well so that makes complete sense and then in this design experience then so I can define what topic I want. I guess you say, like you, you said, there's a greeting topic, but uh, am I limited to what they give me or can I make the topic whatever I
2: want? No, you can create a topic for whatever you want. There, There's a handful of topics that you have to use. Um, like there's the greeting and there's the escalate and there's like the buy. Like those are baked in topics and you can't actually. You have to use those, but then you can create your own for whatever you want. You just have to figure out what the trigger phrases are. The other cool thing is that there is what's called a fallback topic. And that means anything that the bot doesn't understand, send to the fallback topic. And so I actually use that one as my main thread because, I mean, that's, you could use that and call Lewis directly, right? And then you've just got one topic that does everything you need it to do.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so I have a topic, and you mentioned before that when a topic happens, I have actions that I can do. They make sense, right? Sending a message or asking a question, right? Can, can I call into other bot framework things like skills or just make any kind of call I want, or am I kind of limited to what those actions are?
2: Yeah, those actions, the only action is uh, Power Automate. Okay. Right, so when you go to create an action, it's to, you're creating a flow in Power Automate. And it takes you into uh, the Power Automate Canvas from within Teams, too. It's if you go to... Actually, if you go to flow.microsoft.com, you're not going to see your flows for your Power Virtual Agent.
0: Okay. And so then I'm guessing the input of that flow, then, would be whatever the topic is or the context of what's being run, right? So
2: in that flow, I have access to what the user said? (laughs) Yeah, it depends. It depends. So if you use the fallback topic, you have access to what the user said and, and who the user is. And for other... Topics you only have access to who the user is, because you know that they if they if you have a vacation request topic, you know that the topic is vacation. So you don't know exactly what they said, but well actually of course then you could ask them a question where are you going, and then based on that response you could send that response to your your yeah. automation.
0: Well, Although I defi- I assume then I would get the entity if you, if you in your example where you defined an entity on vacation if I'm in on the action for that topic, I would assume I get the Lewis entity, which they didn't have the information that I care about, right?
2: Exactly. As you prompt them for the, as you prompt them for information, you have access to the information to send it to your Power Automate flow. Can I just say flow? Do I have to say Power Automate? Uh, well, I don't
0: use either one, so you can call it whatever you'd like. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but inside Power
0: Automate, there are all kinds of connectors, right? Do I have the full capability there based on
2: whatever my licensing is for Power Automate? no that's that would that would be wonderful but there there's a caveat to and again this is a caveat for power virtual agents in microsoft teams if you want to use a premium connector and Power Virtual Agents, you have to have a subscription to Power Virtual Agents. You can't use the Power Virtual Agents for Teams.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. but that kind of makes sense, right? If I, So if I'm in the in the Teams experience and I have an action, in response to a topic being triggered, I'm running some actions, I get whatever comes out of the box in Power Automate, which could be the, that's most of the standard stuff, right? I'll update a SharePoint list or whatever, right? Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot. It's still quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any uh, trouble with the design? Is the designer kind of self-service them? Is something similar to what Power Automate is? It, I can drag and drop and fill in the property windows? Same kind of thing?
2: It's it is very similar, except one thing you do have to be careful of, it's lacking in a couple of ways. The author, they're called the authoring canvas. If you have a conditional branching going on and you delete uh, a an action you delete something within the middle of your branch, it orphans the branch and you can't reconnect it. Oh, my. so if you've got a lot of branching going on, and you delete something in the middle of it, it's going to tell you that it's orphaned. But it, I mean, unless there's something I just maybe it's something simple I haven't figured out, there's no way to get that orphan branch connected back up to your your. Yeah, thread.
0: well, well uh, that kind of makes sense, right? The more complex you get in a visual designer, the more risky it is right we've all run into that try to keep it simple but now what kind of scenarios are you using to power virtual agents in teams as a so, so what problems are you solving with this technology
2: you know, honestly the greatest problems it's solving right now is getting people open to using bots in teams, right? Cause it's, it gets past a lot of licensing hurdles. It gets past a lot of the deployment hurdles and there's, you can do some really simple bots. Like the, the bot that you can easily go and create a, you know, Q and A maker. Um, that's a, you know, you know what Q and A maker is? It's a service for basically turning an FAQ into a question and answer bot and you can give it a personality. Well, using Power Virtual Agents and that fallback topic, you can actually just, whatever someone types in, throw it to the fallback topic, have that fallback topic call the Q&A action, which exists in Power Automate, and then they the response back to the user. Literally in five minutes, you've got a full-blown question and answer bot that you can deploy to Teams and people can start using.
0: Okay. The the, the alarm bell's going off in my head, right? You, at the very, at the top, you said you'd like to power virtual agents or people would like them because I don't have to deploy stuff to Azure, but Q&A Maker is not necessarily free and does deploy stuff to Azure, right? So is there a Power platform version of Q&A, or am I still using the full Q&A service?
2: Well, the Q&A service, there's a free SKU, right? So and it's you get quite a bit of interaction for the free SKU. Uh, the alternate, the alternative that I've actually played with as well, because there's a lot more power in it, is to use Lewis. And Lewis also has a free SKU, and it's like dirt cheap, even if you go above the free SKU for Lewis. So you could create your own system where when someone asks a question, you send the question to Lewis. Uh, you know, Lewis returns to you the intent, so their intent is to ask about a vacation. Then you can easily create a SharePoint list that has a list of all the intents and the response you wanna show the user for the intent. So then your your bot is calling Lewis with the question, Lewis getting the intent, querying the SharePoint list with that intent, and displaying that response to the user. And that works well, too.
0: Right. And in, in back where we you're saying, I could ask questions and get answers, and after I have all the answers, I could put that again in the SharePoint list, right? I mean, update a vacation request. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Well, the way we're doing it, we have a client who's doing something similar, and what they do, actually, is when the person asks the question, when Lewis comes back, we're actually logging what the user asked, what Lewis responded with, and the, score, the Lewis score. And this allows them to go back and see see what people are asking and see how well Lewis is responding to those to get the right response to make sure they're getting the right response to the users.
0: Yes, right. That that's an ongoing process to train Lewis to be helpful. I certainly get that. And and Q and A, we do a similar stuff with Q and A, kind of tracking what the, whether the, the the answers were relevant to the what the user expected. Because uh, at the end of the day, the technology works, but humans didn't answer the questions right.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the other thing about these bots, right? You you can't, you gotta you gotta take care of them. You gotta feed them, and you gotta check in on them. You can't just deploy this stuff and say I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. And so
0: so on Q and A Maker. Are, are you seeing a lot of uh, uptake on that?
2: No, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a yeah. great way to show what, you, what can be done, but then when it comes down to adoption, I'm not seeing a ton of people saying, yeah, that's, that's the platform we want to go with. We want to have something where we have to maintain it in q Maker or export something to Excel, have someone fill it to Excel and then re-import that. It's, I don't know, it, it demos well, but we're not seeing people saying, yeah, that's what I want to deploy into production.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of what we've seen as well, which is why we built a tool to help with that. But uh, that's, a, that's, a whole, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> now, um, the, you mentioned before about how you, you know, you, you're doing simple get folks introduced and set up on that. And, and now what I'm wondering is, is there a risk, though, that if I do a lot of these power virtual agent bots, does my whole left rail get filled up with different ones, or is it really just one icon and then I pick which bot I want to interact with?
2: Yeah, and it depends on your org. So you could have access to a bunch of bots and you choose the ones you want. Or Of course, in the team's admin center, your org can say, no, we're gonna deploy these two bots to everyone's left row for them. So if I create 10 of them, I get 10 different icons? Is that kind of how, how it works? Yeah, and you can specify your own co- icons and colors and stuff too. But yeah, if you deploy 10 bots, you're gonna have access to 10 bots.
0: And, f- and then I get the overflow on the left hand side. So I guess the answer is be, be judicious of what you're doing, right? We don't necessarily want to inundate a thousand people you know, these. Absolutely. Apps.
2: Well, and again, uh, th- if you think about long term schemes, like, well, wouldn't it be great if we could deploy this bot to a channel instead of to the left rail? It's like, oh, well, yeah. Now you got to do an upgrade, right? So there's, I think they've done a good job of giving us enough power that we can actually make a real world use case of it. But then at some point, you're going to hit something like that and you say, well, I, this is, we just can't do this. We've got to put it into a channel instead. I'm like, okay. The, now microsoft can start making their money back on the on the tool
0: this is a total developer question but is there an export type thing that i can get this you know logic that you've coded out and put it in my own code or or is it really just two screens and <laughs> rewrite.
2: Again, the limitations that come with free. If you have a Power Virtual Agent subscription and you create a Power Virtual Agent, you can actually you know download that and get the Bot Framework code for it and you can make changes to it. So you have access to the Bot Framework with the paid subscription. Yeah, okay.
0: If I have the Power Virtual Agent subscription, is there a, a web page I can design bots that's outside of Teams then I'm guessing? Yes,
2: yeah, with the Power Virtual Agent subscription, you can employ them to your, you know, external website if you want to or you know okay yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you have a lot more channels to deploy them to
0: okay and then cr- adding that bot to a teams app is pretty straightforward at that point if i have a bot running off in the world app studio will let me fill out the, the questions on that right exactly so some of the really fun things when i'm writing a bot you know directly is you know who is the user and and getting authenticated to call remote services so how much fun is that in the power virtualization for teams
2: so it's it's to figure out who the user is, it's fairly easy. Again, you get higher security. There's a whole slide on saying, hey, here's the difference between Power Virtual agent and Te- in Teams in the subscription service. So there's some security differences as well, but you do have access to who the user is asking the question. You do, you can query Azure AD to find out information about that user. Um, so you do have the option of doing some digging in your Power Automate action to do that sort of stuff.
0: The, yeah, so the answer I expected to hear was, well, it takes care of it for you automatically, right? Exactly. <laughs> for the <most> part, right? <laughs> As we'd expect in the Power Platform, right? It, it, yeah. Any other fun things that you've done with the bots or is it really just demo wear for you? I, I got to believe that it, people are finding it useful.
2: Um, you know, like I said, we're starting to deploy more and more bots to our, to our clients, but it's still early enough on. work. you know, selling it to, we, we specialize mid-market, um, you know, 500, 10,000 users is our sweet spot. We have some that sit on both sides of that. They're They're very early in adopting bots. So I think it, it's, it's great for showing them quickly, easily get something to deploy, get people using it. Um, and then I'm, you know, and like everything else we do, once they start seeing how powerful it is, then come the requests that will require some, you know, more of our services to make them better and do the things they want. Excellent.
0: So, uh, what else is going on? I, I forgot to ask you at the beginning, right? So, you know, last time you and I chatted, it was a, a lot of uh, fun and games with SPFX. But how? Any, any other fun dev topics that you're kicking around these days?
2: Gosh, fun dev topics. You know, we're doing uh, SharePoint framework development all the time. So, okay, here's a good topic. So uh, my son, yeah, so he's a sophomore in college this year, and he's actually interning for us. And he has, like, he's tearing up the Power Platform. He's tearing up the SharePoint framework right now. He's doing a, a SharePoint framework web part that goes into the graph to get calendar information. And he's just, he's he's tearing into it. So he probably knows more about the stuff than I do now because I, I get the topics and I, I don't have all the time to develop. So I give it to him and he goes and writes the code for it.
0: Yeah, so we'll go back to the very first thing you said, where you're a chief strategy officer, which means you don't write code anymore. Right?
2: <laughs> I do proof of concepts, yeah. that's what I do. So. There you go, yeah, there you go. Oh, you want working code, I got it. Well, that's
0: great. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today and, and I certainly will uh, be watching the Twitter feed for the announcement on the conference. And for folks who are listening, I highly encourage uh, getting there. It's, it's not that hard to get to Branson if you just be patient, it's all good. And hopefully the, the pandemic goes away for you, buddy. And uh, it was great for, great to have you on, thanks a lot.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Are listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes.